There are a lot of words that we use to describe our Christian life that become so familiar to us that we begin to lose sight of what they actually mean and what our Christian life, then, actually involves. One of these words is disciple or discipleship, or we talk of following Christ. I think we can lose something of the meaning, the rich, deep meaning of this, what it means to follow Jesus. But in today's gospel from St. John, Jesus tells us something striking about what it means to follow him. And he does this by giving us a movement, a twofold movement. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, he says, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. There's a downward movement falling to the ground and dying. And there's an upward movement. When the grain of wheat rises, it bears fruit. This is the pattern of our lives. Because we have been baptized into Jesus Christ, our lives follow this same pattern. Falling downward and rising upward. So this is first about Jesus, and it's when we look at Jesus that we then understand something about ourselves, our lives. God comes down. He takes flesh. He suffers, and he dies. Jesus is, first of all, the grain of wheat. The fall downward, though, is not the end. He rises, of course. And that is the source of our life. He produces much fruit in our lives. It's important, though, that you first go down before you go up. Jesus is teaching us today that the way to life, the way to the happiness that we seek, only comes about through falling to the ground and dying. As our second reading from Hebrews tells us, Jesus wasn't protected from the pain and suffering that he endured. He prayed with loud cries and tears, Hebrews tells us. His real humanity felt the shattering pain of betrayal. He felt rejection. He felt the mockery on the cross. He felt every bit of the suffering that we inflicted on him. What, then, could lead Jesus to do this? Why should we fall down to the ground and die? The answer is simple. Love. Love is stronger than death. The love of the obedient Son of God 
could fall to the ground, die, and still rise, still produce fruit. This tells us something about love then. Love always bears fruit. If our loves are not bearing fruit, then something is off, something's wrong. This is the task of following Jesus then, following him in this same movement, downward and then upward, upward to life, upward to fruitfulness. In the beginning, in Genesis, after he creates Adam and Eve, God blesses them, and his first words, his opening address to newly created humanity, be fruitful and multiply. It's a command, it's a blessing, and it's also a description of what human beings are. Human beings can be fruitful, can love, can bring life into the world, and in that way, they are like their creator. They are like God. But as we know, Adam and Eve quickly went astray and rejected this blessing, rejected this gift. They would rather take the fruit rather than receive it from the hand of God. They would rather hold tight to what they had rather than give, rather than be fruitful. And this tells us something about the obstacle to following Christ. Sin is just what happens to love when it's sterilized. Our loves no longer produce fruit. We get isolated. We get hardened. We become unfruitful soil. I think this is what happens. You can see this in any relationship. All of a sudden, nothing's coming out of it. Conversations go nowhere. There's no joy in the conversation. It seems airless. That's a sign that the love is no longer producing. It's somehow frustrated. As Jesus says, then, the grain of wheat can remain just a grain of wheat. It can remain alone. Sin is a loneliness. It's the loneliness that comes when we don't want to follow Jesus on the pattern of falling to the ground and dying, rising up to bear fruit. Unless we fall to the ground and die, we will not be fruitful. Jesus tells us in just a few chapters later in St. John's Gospel, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The Father will recognize us as 
disciples of his son, when we produce fruit just like his son, we are also life givers. We're people that bring joy and life into the lives of others, into the lives of our families, into our workplace. That's how we'll be recognized as Christians. What does it mean in Lent, then, to talk about fruitfulness? There are three classic practices that the church has always taught should characterize Lent. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And I want to just say something about prayer as a practice of being fruitful. Prayer is fruitful in a hidden way, and I think that's what makes it so difficult. The seed is planted in the ground. It goes out of sight. It's hidden. That's the secret process of growth for us. God comes to us in prayer, not in a visible way, not in a dramatic way. He comes in silence. But it's a very pregnant, fertile, and fruitful silence. If we can sit with it, if we can meet the Lord in silence. It's tempting, though, to constantly check and see how we're doing with prayer, which is kind of like planting a seed and then pulling it up just to see how it's doing, see if it's actually growing. But as any five-year-old who's ever had a small seedling to tend take care of for a garden, that's not the way you grow anything. You let the seed be. You let it sit in the soil, soak up the nutrients, and eventually you'll get to see it. That's a lot like prayer. We let the seed, the grace of God in our hearts, grow in silence, and we tend it our part. We tend it by sitting with the Lord, by embracing the silence, not just accepting it, but also meeting the Lord there. It's important then to follow Jesus in this way, to fall to the ground, to give up the control the control over the seed fallen into the darkness of our hearts. To let God be the gardener that grows this seed, that tends the fruit. That's what we can do this Lent in our prayer. So perhaps as we are two weeks out from Easter Sunday, we can think about this. This could be a challenge for us. How can we devote ourselves more to prayer? In a simple way. Fifteen minutes can seem like a very short time unless it's in dead silence. And then it seems like hours. 
But perhaps this Lent, we can begin to get used to silence. Take 15 minutes a day. That could be on uh, a commute. 395 has plenty of 15-minute sections of total stillness, except for the honking. Use that time that you're given to sit with the Lord in silence. Take 15 minutes at the beginning of your day or at the end of your day and just be with the Lord. That is the way we will bear fruit, glorify our Father, and give praise to the Son.